We live in a time of tremendous opportunity for innovators, entrepreneurs, and those with skill and imagination. But it seems at every turn, there are forces that slow us down or get us off track. I believe you can trigger your independence and lead a flourishing life, be free to choose, and live according to your own values. Join us in a conversation about big ideas in life, liberty, and the pursuit of your happiness. Welcome to the John Riley Project. Hey, everybody, how you doing? And welcome to the John Riley Project. It's Flag Day, my friends. It's Flag Day, June 14th, and we're going to talk about Flag Day and the Pledge of Allegiance. So thanks for joining us here on a Monday. You know, this is a podcast all about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So when we're talking about Flag Day, it kind of fits, right? Kind of, sort of, maybe yes, maybe not. You know, we're going to we're going to break it down. So thanks for joining us here on the live stream. You know, we do this podcast Monday, Wednesday, Friday at two, getting off a little bit of a I think we're starting today about 2.12 p.m., a little bit later. But uh, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 2, um, you can join us on the live stream. Um, we broadcast on both Facebook and on YouTube, and you can participate in the conversation. We welcome your thoughts and comments. Feel free to type those in. And then, of course, you know, we record this and we put it on all the popular podcast platforms. So hopefully, if you're not watching live, maybe you're listening to a recorded version of this. And welcome. And thanks for joining us. Um, so yeah, we're, we welcome your thoughts and comments. So please chime in on the live stream, but we're going to kind of get into this bit about flag day. And, you know, I broadcast as I always do from the city in the country, Poway, California. And if you've ever been to Poway, which is a suburb of San Diego County, this is a pretty patriotic community. I mean, I think you would, many people would say it probably is leans conservative, although I think in this last election cycle, um, it voted more for Biden than it did for Trump. But generally speaking, Poway is a a conservative, you know, tends to be overly Republican compared to Democrat or independent. So when you look around town, you see a lot of flags. You'll see you know, not only do we have the supporters, that, the Trump supporters that are on some of the street corners waving flags, even some of the Democrats that are that are activists here waving flags. You see flags on pe- at people's homes. In, in fact, I was driving around today in town and I saw just one of those huge four wheel drive trucks that had two flags on it. One of them was the American flag. So it seems everywhere you look, you see flags in our in our town. And today's Flag Day, right? So it kind of makes sense to talk about it. But, you know, I've thought about getting my own flag uh, for my home, uh, you know, because, again, I talk about life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness all the time. I think these are critical values that were established in our nation, you know, at the beginning and in, in our Declaration of Independence. These are things I feel very strongly about. But I've never actually gone the full distance and gotten my own my own flagpole and set it up. I figured if I ever did, just kind of the nature of where I live, the only people that would ever get to enjoy it really are my wife and I or a UPS driver that happened to be dropping by just because just, just our front door is very hidden uh, from the rest of the community. But I think still someday I, I think I'd like, I'd like to do that because I believe in – 
those fundamentals so strongly. But but it is funny. I talk to some of my friends, particularly some of my left-leaning friends, my progressive friends, and one of them in particular has told me that sometimes he sees the American flag and it kind of rubs him the wrong way. You know, when he hears words like liberty and freedom, it immediately invokes, you know, some of the Trump supporters. And that, you know, obviously goes against the grain with my progressive friends. And it's funny how, you know, some of these symbols like flags, you know, some of these important concepts by liberty and and freedom, sometimes how they get distorted, sometimes they get co-opted by different groups. Um, it, it's an interesting dynamic. But, you know, like the flag... It's obviously an American symbol. You can't avoid it. You go to any school event, there's the flag. You go to a lot of club events, like, you know, here in my hometown, Kiwanis Club, you know, they have the American flag is always proudly displayed at their events. Uh, Go to obviously government meetings, city council meetings, school board meetings. You know, there's always the American flag. And at all of those um, events, typically the Pledge of Allegiance is recited, right? And- Usually when we all stand for the pledge, it's a pretty automatic thing. Like we kind of know it by rote. I mean, we it's memorized. It's burned into our brain because we've done it so many times as a child. You know, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Now, of course, you know, the under God part has been a little bit of a political football. I think that was inserted into the pledge in the 1950s, if I recall. And I know that's been a debatable point. But the rest of it, I mean, we know it and we th- we think we do we really understand what it means? I mean, have we ever really broken down the words of the Pledge of Allegiance? You know, there are parts of it that I, I really like, but there are other parts of it that I'm kind of uncomfortable with. And I've found myself at some of these events, you know, unsure of how to handle myself. You know, now, obviously, parts of it, like with liberty and justice for all, I mean, that's just that's beautiful. Right. I mean, we we all deserve liberty. I mean, liberty is one of our inalienable rights. Justice for all. I mean, that's a that's a, a core part of what America is supposed to be founded upon. But we do know that we don't have liberty for all, nor do we have justice for all. And I think that's why people like Colin Kaepernick and a lot of others have been outspoken during the national anthem. They're the ones that have taken a knee in many of these cases. And in my opinion, they have a a righteous reason for taking a knee in doing it. And and never mind a little bit of a tangent here, but taking a knee, in my opinion, is a, a respectful way of handling yourself in that situation. Um, but at any rate, you know, with liberty and justice for all, that, that's a beautiful part of the declaration, or excuse me, of the Pledge of Allegiance. But there are other parts of the Pledge of Allegiance that just kind of stru- always struck me as odd. Like, I pledge allegiance to the flag. Okay, wh- why, why would you pledge allegiance to a flag, right? That, that seems odd, doesn't it? And and then it goes on and and to the republic for which it stands. And so people would say, okay, well, the flag is just a symbol. What you're really doing is pledging allegiance to America. But isn't isn't the whole idea 
of pledging allegiance kind of runs counter to our inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Um, you know, the whole no- notion of, of, of liberty is that you have freedom, right? Where allegiance is when you are, you know, to kind of use a Game of Thrones analogy, you're taking a knee. You're showing subservience um, to that particular symbol or that concept. John Carson on the live stream chiming in, he says, and it is their right to take a knee, talking about Colin Kaepernick, freedom, not just for the things we believe in. Yeah, right on, John. Yeah, they, that's the whole beauty of freedom, right, is that we can express ourselves as we see fit. And sometimes people are going to express freedom and make choices that maybe we agree or disagree with. But the beauty of freedom is that you have the right to do it. Um, pledging is indoctrination. Aha. So this is kind of what I'm getting to. This notion of pledging allegiance to a flag, it, for, besides the fact that a flag is like an inanimate object, but even pledging allegiance to a republic, which is really pledging allegiance to the government, t- in, in my opinion, that just seems to go, the, uh, you know, rubs me the wrong way in, a, in many aspects, because it is, as I said, so counter to our inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But, I mean, I get it. I mean, I'm not trying to be disrespectful because I know that when the Pledge of Allegiance is recited, I mean, it's a very serious matter. So when I've gone to the Poway Kiwanis meetings and the pledge is always recited at every meeting, and there are a lot of veterans in that group. And, boy, when the Pledge of Allegiance is recited, the veterans stand up, you know, straight back and, you know, with a salute where us uh, civilians are just typically putting our hand over our heart. I mean, I get why people feel strongly about their love of country, while why they're patriotic. But I often do wonder that when people recite the Pledge of Allegiance, do they really understand the words that are being expressed? Or are they just sort of wrapping themselves in the American flag and and just essentially expressing their patriotism. Now, speaking for myself, I, like I said, I, I'm kind of uncomfortable with it at times. So when I'm in a public meeting, I always stand. I'm, I'm not going to make a spectacle of myself. I'll stand. Um, but I often don't recite the words um, because, I, again, I just, it just feels odd to pledge allegiance to a nation. So I mean, this is something that I've sort of privately felt. I've, I've seen some people comment on this from time to time, um, but I, I rediscovered an old article that I want to share with you. And it was written by a gentleman. His name is Connor Boyack. And if you are um, a listener or viewer of this podcast from the city of Poway, you might recognize that last name, Boyack. Um, his mother, Marilee Boyack, served on the Poway City Council Connor um, Boyack now was grew up here in Poway. I think he went to Poway High School. He now lives in Utah. He's married, has children, you know, just leading a great life. He has founded an organization, and it's called the Libertas Institute. And this is something of a think tank um, of a lobbying organization, but with a name like Libertas Institute. You know, it makes sense. They're they're really advocating for liberty. Um, they, Connor has been 
very outspoken in the state of Utah has his organization has been very successful in influencing politicians to to pass legislation, to pass laws that are consistent with liberty. I mean, to me, Connor Boyack in many ways is a, is someone that is living his values and it just and like me really understands and supports this whole idea of life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. I mean, he created his own organization to pursue that. Um, he's even been very instrumental in helping pass some of the medical marijuana laws in the state of Utah, you know, just so people that are experiencing seizures or PTSD can at least have access to the medicinal benefits of marijuana. These are some of the things that he's been doing. And granted, I'm only touching the tip of the iceberg. His organization, I think they've got like about eight or 10 people in the group and they're very active lobbyists in Salt Lake City. But I just saw a Facebook post from today. He's in Sacramento fighting the good fight. So, you know, tip of the hat to Connor Boyack, but he wrote this article about the Pledge of Allegiance before. Well, there's one more thing about Connor Boyack. He's an author. He's written 29 books. And this guy... I'm guessing he's maybe in his 30s, but a a, a decent portion of the 29 books he's written have been children's books called the Tuttle Twins. And I I would encourage you to check these out. The Tuttle Twins series of children's books talk about these basic fundamental concepts in America of liberty, of separation of power, of, um, you know, essentially what America's founding values are really supposed to be. (laughs) Um, And he has basically taken a lot of economics books that are, you know, obviously written by um, world famous economists and sort of simplified them and made them very easily digestible for a 10 year old or a 12 year old. And it's this whole series of the Tuttle Twins talking about entrepreneurism and creating lemonade stands. It's a really cool project. And he's been extremely successful with this book series. And as a result, he's a frequent um, speaker at events throughout the United States. So anyways, this article and Connor Boyack shared this in his blog, and this is actually from 2010. And he had reposted this on his Facebook page. And I read this and it's really, really interesting. And the, the headline is, why I do not pledge allegiance to the flag. Okay, right away, that's a shocker, right? You know, that's a good way to kind of poke the bear. Um, but what he did is he broke down the history of this. And I'm going to include the link in the show notes, but I just want to touch on some of the highlights from this article. What, you know, maybe we've heard the history, maybe you've heard the history of how the Pledge of Allegiance was, was driven by a guy that wanted to sell flags, Right. And he wanted to get the flags into the schools and kind of work with someone else that had written this pledge. And together it was a money making scheme to sell a lot of flags. And I'm I'm sure that part of the story is true. I think I've read that in other categories. But in this case, this is going to the pledge itself. And this was during the latter part of the 1800s when there was a, you know, a big kind of socialist, a progressive movement in the United States. And there was this person called Francis Bellamy. And he was the one that really drove the creation of the, of the pledge of allegiance. And his intention in creating the pledge was to encourage children to worship the state and revere centralized authority. 
Um, Connor goes on to say that at a at a um, an NEA National Education Association is that what it is? The NEA they had start they created an event in 1892. And it was called the National Public School Celebration. And Francis Bellamy was invited to speak at that event. And he stated, the training of citizens in the common knowledge and common duties of citizenship belongs irrevocably to the state. And so as part of the program that he organized, Bellamy drafted a pledge to be recited by the youth in attendance as a way of encouraging loyalty to the government. And you might be thinking, why, why would this guy be encouraging loyalty to the government? Well, besides the fact that he's a socialist and wants more central authority, which kind of runs, again, counter to the whole idea of individualism, this is also, you know, less than 30 years after the Civil War. So, you know, back then, the flag the United States flag was something that wasn't always embraced by everyone in America. And America was trying to kind of rebuild itself, you know, the reconstruction, but also really trying to bring the nation together. And the true reason, as Bellamy goes on to say, the true reason for the allegiance to the flag is the republic for which it stands. And this whole notion of one nation of which the Civil War was fought to prove so you're thinking, okay, now I'm kind of getting a little bit more context, a little more backstory to this. Okay, I get it. I mean, I get it from that level that coming out of the Civil War, we're trying to unify America, want to unify America around a common nation, perhaps a common flag. And this is also during a time, you know, not that much earlier, where a lot of rebels were being forced to take loyalty oaths to the United States, right? So there was a lot of friction, especially in the southern part of America. And so this this Pledge of Allegiance was really kind of his way of trying to resolve that. But it still had these socialist undertones, this sort of bending a knee to authority, bending a knee to centralized authority, which kind of plays into the hands of socialism. Um. And they recognized, he recognized, Bellamy, is that he wanted to get this into the schools because the best way to implement an agenda is to pursue a generational campaign through influencing or controlling the education of children to indoctrinate them with a slow and at first fairly innocuous stream of ideas. So this is, this is, this is a key point here, right? Because... With when you know when a lot of these new ideas come forward, a lot of times you'll see them try to get a hold of young people, indoctrinate this, um, indoctrinate these themes, these ideas, and and basically bake them into our educational process. And if you're successful in doing that, you can change the thought process, the philosophy of multiple generations of people until eventually it takes a foothold. And that's what they were able to do with the Pledge of Allegiance. And by the way, this is often one of the criticisms um, that our friends on the right, you know, our Trump friends have of leftists because our leftist friends have been so successful in 
having a, a, a pretty firm grip on the educational system, the public educational system in America. And as a result, that's why we see a lot of more progressive, more liberal ideas that typically come out of the school system and also out of our higher education system. I mean, so this idea of trying to get a hold of the educational system and bake these ideas in is a very strategic part of the process. Francis Bellamy recognized that with the Pledge of Allegiance, and that's what he pushed for. So again, Connor Boyack really went through this history in his article. It was fascinating. Um, Now, the part that Boyack discussed, which I thought was really interesting, is that he compared the Pledge of Allegiance that we recite in the classroom or at a government meeting or maybe at a club meeting and compared it to the oath that elected leaders take. So, of course, you know, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Okay, that's the pledge. But what's the oath? The oath, you know, when a president is sworn in or when a an elected representative puts their hand on the Bible and raises their right hand and takes that oath, and they say, I do solemnly swear— that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, and that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which I'm about to enter. So help me God." It's very different, right, than the Declaration of Independence, excuse me, very different than the Pledge of Allegiance, right? Rather than pledging allegiance to a flag or to the republic, this is solemnly swear to support and defend the Constitution. Very different. And so Boyack goes on to say in his article that the oath that these elected leaders take has real substance, and I agree with him. The Constitution to which individuals' loyalty is required, um, that is required is the codification of key principles worthy of our absolute support because the Constitution is really about equality under the law. In many ways, it's about liberty, although it's not quite as bold as the Declaration of Independence. But the Constitution is really guarantees our rights, it's like the Bill of Rights particularly. Our civil liberties are guaranteed there. Um, so this makes more sense to me that, that the oath that these elected leaders take is, is really a better approach than the Pledge of Allegiance that our school children kind of just tend to recite almost automatically. Now, Boyack goes on to say, he says, ask the average child or even adult for that matter what it means to pledge allegiance to the flag. And you're likely to get responses that demonstrate a complete lack of understanding. Where no understanding exists, correct action cannot follow. Little wonder the political landscape is what it is today. And that's true too, because pledging allegiance to a flag is, 
you know, it's like what you see despots do in in um, autocratic nations. We've seen that in history. I mean, we all know the the obvious examples. Pledging allegiance to a flag is not really not really pledging allegiance to what that flag really represents and really pledging allegiance to a republic may be more consistent with what Bellamy wanted to do with getting people to come together as Americans rather than the civil war that tore us apart. Matthew Brannigan on the live stream chimes in. We have people of many faiths in this country and there are many that don't have a single deity as well as atheists. So I think under God was an inappropriate addition to it back in the 1950s. You know, separation of church and state and all that. Yeah, well, this is a bit of a tangent, but the whole under God piece, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this was put back into the, into the pledge in the 1950s. And this was during the whole McCarthyism and the Red Scare and everyone was communism and freaking out about communism. And I think people, particularly patriotic Americans, saw this nation as a Christian nation and saw that, well, even in the Declaration of Independence, it talks about our inalienable rights are from our creator. One would say that would be God. Some would say that's nature. Um, but they were really, I think, trying to reinforce that America's founding had a supernatural angle to it by the inclusion of God. And, I, and my hunch is, is that that was reinserted into the, dec- into the Pledge of Allegiance to kind of reaffirm their righteousness of why America was special and communism was not. But Matthew, I think you make a very good point because when people are pledging allegiance to a flag, you know, what does the flag represent? You know, what Connor Boyack mentioned, the oath that our elected leaders take is to defend the Constitution. The Constitution in the Bill of Rights talks about freedom of religion. So really baking in God into the pledge, doesn't that sort of run counter to what the Bill of Rights is supposed to be about and, frankly, what America is supposed to be about? Again, I think it goes to this other point that Connor mentioned is that because there is no real understanding of what the Pledge of Allegiance really means, that it can be misinterpreted and construed in so many different ways, that it that it creates confusion and we don't have a consistent set of values that we all understand, at least in terms of what this nation is supposed to represent. So Boyack goes on further to say, um, if people wish to cast aside the pledge's history, you know, which is the whole socialism bit that Bellamy was pushing and instead praise the wording and its meaning Well, then at that level, Boyack says, then children should be taught to learn what a republic actually is, (laughs) which, by the way, 
we've seemed to have lost sight of that because what do we hear from our friends on the left is we need to protect democracy. But we don't have a democracy in America. We have a republic. It's very different. And there's a, there's a reason for that. So Boyack says the children should be taught to learn what a republic is and what principles led us to become one nation and why liberty and justice are inherent. And then Boyack says, God-given rights to be secured. Again, if you're religious, not religious, agnostic, atheist, Christian, Muslim, Jewish, you know, this can be applied in a lot of different ways. But our rights of liberty and why liberty and justice are the teaching, well, excuse me, while liberty and justice are inherent rights to be secured as opposed to be provided by government. That's a very key point because I talk about that all the time in this podcast. Our inalienable rights are natural rights. They, our right to our own life has existed before the government became a thing. Our right to liberty, our right to choose has been a thing before the government existed. And our right to pursue our happiness has also always been naturally kind of part of being human. So the government doesn't really give us those rights. The government instead secures them, guarantees them. And it's that idea that really, I don't think, is really taught effectively in the school system. And I think Boyack is really making that case here in this article as well. He says, these types of teachings do not generally exist in public schools. Children are instead indoctrinated with a steady dose of subservience to the state and are over time taught the importance of fealty to the federal government to, to essentially bend a knee. We see that all the time. And it's not just prevalent amongst the, the, our friends on the left, but also our friends on the right where government is the all powerful force. Government is what we should look to, to guide us. Government is what should be revealed, revered, excuse me, as opposed to individualism, as opposed to our own lives, our own liberty, our own pursuit of happiness, because that's really what made America special. That's really what made America such a great experiment, is that not only were the people ruling themselves, you know, we the people, as opposed to, you know, being ruled by a king, but it was also something that was founded on the idea of self-ownership, self-rule. Now, granted, it was inconsistent. We had slaves, well, we, not we, they, or the, the people that founded America, they had slaves. And that's inconsistent with life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But at least they got the idea right. And it's taken us 200 plus years to improve on the idea, or actually to implement the idea. And we're, we're nowhere near where we need to be, but we're getting closer. So... Boyack goes on to say that the idea of Bellamy's pledge came from the loyalty oaths imposed on Southerners after Lincoln's bloody war between the states. Right. Now, Boyack, I think, does something really clever here is that he said that, you know, when he's in a public meeting, you know, kind of like me, he doesn't want to draw attention, ruffle feathers. 
you know, because he's respectful of the patriotism that people are expressing when they pledge allegiance to the flag. But he doesn't agree with the words. So he created his own version. And this is what he actually recites when everyone is reciting the thing we've learned since the first grade. And Boyack says, I pledge allegiance to the Constitution of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God with liberty and justice for all. So he scraps the indivisible. And I think I think in many ways that makes sense, right? Because the whole notion of indivisible means we're unified, we're one. But the beauty of America is that it's America is a nation founded on the idea of freedom, which means that we all have different ideas. We have different values. We all want to live different lives. We all want to pursue our values, pursue our happiness in ways that make sense to us. So the fact that we are not unified is really a manifestation of freedom. Whereas indivisible kind of is, again, reinforcing this loyalty to the state. So, yeah, he changes it. I pledge allegiance to the Constitution of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, with liberty and justice for all. I mean, I think that's really good. Now, obviously, trying to change the Pledge of Allegiance is... I mean, that's not going to happen. I mean, that's, that is so codified into what our American public school system is. And anyone, I mean, frankly, I was kind of nervous doing this podcast. Anyone that challenges the Pledge of Allegiance is looked upon like with a, a, you know, with an evil eye. Like, who the hell are you? This is America. We all pledge allegiance to the flag, right? There's a, there's a very patriotic element to this. Again, I don't know if people really understand the words and what they mean and the history behind it. And that's what Boyack was so good on this. And he, and he went on to say that Bellamy, and, he, and by the way, he had a cousin. There were two Bellamy's. One of them wrote the, the pledge, and I think the other one was a political activist. But the Bellamy cousins had in mind a project to teach the American youth loyalty to the government Realizing that the then predominant strain of individualism and passionate love of liberty inspired by the founding fathers of this country ran afoul of their socialist utopia. So there was a calculation in the words that they used to try to minimize the individualism that America was founded on, but instead push forward more of a collectivist agenda where everyone is pledging allegiance to a flag and to a government. So uh, this article is fascinating and it's um, all kinds of comments from that article. You can read them. I mean, people really supportive of Connor Boyack, other people, you know, just ripping them. You know, because this is a touchy topic. And again, I, I welcome your thoughts and comments on the live stream. Um, now, speaking for myself, like I said, I, I generally at, at meetings like this, I'll stand. 
Um, if I'm at a ball game, I'll take my hat off and kind of put it over my heart. Um, I don't always sing the national anthem. Um, I don't typically pledge. I don't recite the pledge, but I'll stand there respectfully because I know why it exists, why it's there and what other people are feeling. Some might say I'm quibbling when I'm doing something like this podcast, but I'll still be respectful. Um, and again, like I said, when, when Kaepernick took a knee, he got my respect. I, I, I was, I thought what he did was perfect. And I know that was really upset a lot of Trump people, conservatives, boy, do they hate that. But I think Kaepernick had a righteous message challenging this whole idea of, you know, liberty and justice for all. Really? You know, we got cops killing black people. Look at Breonna Taylor and Eric Garner. And I mean, we can go down the list. George Floyd. Um, I think Kaepernick did it the right way. He didn't, he wasn't disrespectful. He didn't turn his back. Some might say like the 1968 um, Olympians when they had the black glove and the raised fist, that was a challenging gesture. And I, I can see why people didn't like that, especially in 1968. Blacks challenging the American flag. I mean, that, that was really something back then. But they still had a righteous message back then. Absolutely, they did. I and mean, that was during the whole civil rights you know, the fight for civil rights. And, but still they, they did it somewhat respectfully, but I think what Kaepernick did, he took a knee. I think it makes sense. Now, beyond the scope of all this, rather than pledging allegiance to, you know, a flag, a country, a constitution, when you pledge allegiance, I mean, you're basically saying that you are subservient you are declaring loyalty. Well, who should you be loyal to? And we could talk, I mean, there's a lot of cases we could talk about your loyalty and marriage and loyalty in a lot of other categories, but really, you should be loyal to yourself. If anything, we should be taking a pledge of allegiance to ourselves. You know, that we're taking our own life seriously and we're essentially striving, living our life, you know, to pursue our happiness. We've got goals. We, we should set lofty goals for ourselves and pursue our own version of greatness based on whatever our values are. We talk about that a lot in this podcast. So it's easy in life to drift. We lose sight of really what we want to accomplish in our own life. And it's easy to be distracted with career and family and all sorts of other things. But I think daily affirmations to yourself, essentially a pledge of allegiance to yourself, in my opinion, will be a very healthy approach. So again, I, I welcome your thoughts and comments on this. If you want to talk further about this, join me on social media. You can go to my website, johnreillyproject.com. Um, or just go to the micro page I've set up called connectwithjohnny.com, connectwithjohnny.com. All my social media links are there. You get all the links to all the 
podcast platforms. You can even sign up on our mailing list. You know, I'm, I'm right now, by the way, going through a bit of a revamp on my website. I'm really happy about it um, because I think this podcast and frankly, the, the project, John Riley Project, has been morphing quite a bit lately. And I don't know if it's really properly reflected on our my, my website. And so as I integrate more of this notion of personal development, but also integrating more, more ideas around building businesses and, and entrepreneurism and techniques so we can be better, better as people and better as business people, as business leaders, as well as individuals. A lot of that's going to start coming through even more so in some of my content on these podcasts. And I'm working on my website now to kind of properly reflect that message. So um, I was working on it over the weekend. I still have some more work to do. I'm actually trying to craft an updated mission statement of what the John Riley Project is really about. And it's been a great challenge to myself because, you know, I started this podcast mostly just to have really interesting conversations with a lot of guests. And we had guests that were political candidates. John Carson was one of our earlier guests and John and I had a great discussion and I love that. And I hope to continue doing that. Um, but I'm trying to, I think this podcast can be a lot more than, I mean, the conversations with individuals is very valuable and I don't ever want to give that up, but I think we can do more than that. I think there are ways that if I express myself and get my thoughts a little bit more organized, I think we can really deliver a lot more value, not just educational content, learning about some of our thought leaders in our community, but educational content on how we can be better as individuals in our personal life and in our business life. And so a lot of that's going to start coming through. But yeah, so if you want to check out more info, go to johnreillyproject.com probably have my new front page done sometime this week. Um, still have a little more work to do on it, but it's a big deal for me. And I'm, I'm really, really excited about it. Um, okay. So I got one quote to close this one out. And this is from Carl Sagan, right? Remember him? What was the one? Uh, there's billions and billions of stars, right? He was the astrophysicist and he what was the book he wrote? I can't remember the name of the book, but he had his own series. Was it Nova on PBS? I think it was Carl Sagan. And he said, I also wish that the Pledge of Allegiance were directed at the Constitution and the Bill of Rights as it is when the president takes his oath of office rather than to a flag and the nation. Okay. Well, Carl Sagan just said what I've been saying. Um, and um, I, I, I agree. I hope you agree. Um, challenging the words of our Pledge of Allegiance, not meant to be disrespectful, but I think it's important to understand the context of why those words are written, how they were written, what the motivation of the writers were. And then when we see an American flag, I think we should all ask ourselves, what does that really represent? Again, I think it means different things to different people, and that's a weakness in our public education system. But I would hope that we can, as we see these symbols or recite these rote passages that we've remembered since first grade, 
if we really pause a minute and reflect and really think about what it is that we're pledging to, what are we actually saying? What are these words? What do they mean? And what does that flag mean? I think it's an appropriate thing to ask ourselves on Flag Day, on June 14th. So thanks, friends, for joining us. Special shout out to Connor Boyack. He's a good guy. He's doing good work in the state of Utah. And I'd like to see his organization grow and become more influential. The fact that he's in Sacramento right now. Wow, that's great. Boy, Connor, you go out and do your work because you're doing the you're doing the good work that we all support. And I, I thank you, Connor Boyack, for everything you do. And um, like I said, I'll have a, a link in the show notes referencing this article and his Libertas Institute and his Tuttle Twins series of books, which I think are fantastic children's books to teach people about entrepreneurship, about liberty and about the, the real values of what makes America great. Okay, friends. Uh, oh, Matthew Brannigan saying, love Cosmos as a kid. That's, that's right. That was the name of Carl Sagan's show, Cosmos. Really opened my eyes. Carl Sagan is very much missed. Yeah. Um, wow, Carl Sagan. Get to, we get to quote some pretty famous people here, which is kind of fun. Okay. Thanks, friends, for joining us. This is the John Riley Project. It's episode number 243. Only got seven more to go until we're a quarter of a way to a thousand. Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate your support. And we'll see you again Wednesday at two o'clock. Bye-bye, friends. If you enjoyed today's show, do me a favor, subscribe and then share it with a friend or leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Let's continue the conversation on social media. Go to connectwithjohnny.com to get links to our social media content, audio podcast platforms, and to sign up for our mailing list. To be a guest, read my blog or get more information, please visit johnreillyproject.com to get started.